Pro tip number one was avoiding sin. The key to that is not focusing on avoiding sin. The key is to focus on the Spirit of God. Pro tip number two, key to avoiding sin is to walk by the Spirit. That's where our focus is, okay? And this is one of the main differences between Paul's theology and the Judaizers' theology. They're not looking at the Spirit of God. They're looking at the list, all right? So, going on to verse 17 here. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Okay, so basically, the Spirit is within us to keep us from self-destruction. Because you know, and I know, if I followed my desires, I'd be dead or in jail. I better not follow my desires. And so, thankfully, I'm redeemed, I'm, I'm renewed, I have new desires, and those new desires lead me to life, as, as they do you after you found faith in Christ, okay? So if I yield to the desires of the flesh, I'm a slave. If I yield to the desire of the Spirit, then I find freedom, all right? And so the, the, I guess the, the reality is as long as you have a body and you're on this planet, you cannot escape this tension between the flesh and the Spirit. There's no super spiritual experience or thing or place or practice that will deliver you from this tension of the flesh and the spirit. It's just part of the fabric of being embodied and also having a spirit that God created. So, 18, if you are led, and the word literally is defined by willingly led. So, if you're willingly led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, um, and that's not some weird, mystical, passive, sit there and chant kind of thing. It's, it's, um, it's very active and responsible. So how do you know if you're being led by the Spirit? Well, the Spirit and living according to Him produces inevitable, identifiable fruit, as does being in the law and the flesh. There's identifiable fruit. So you look at the passage to follow, and he lists off which fruit matches whatever you're doing, and that's, that's one way to go, uh, have I been being led by the Spirit? In other words, if your mind is going toward hatred, dissension, and lust, and murder, probably not from the Spirit, just saying, okay? All right, so the question isn't really, is the Spirit of God leading me? The question is, am I following Him? He's always trying to lead, okay? So pro tip number three, what God wants from you is impossible for you to do. He wants us to do something that we can only do if we're walking in his power. He commands, but he also provides everything we need to accomplish what he commands. But we can't do it on our own, okay? So, here's another, a good, I'm reading this book, I just finished it, and um, man, it's a good book. It's, it's providing hope and life for me in the context of margin and balance and, and all that. But anyway, here's a quote. If you want to hear the Spirit's voice, soak your mind with the words he inspired. And that's not like the newspaper. <laughs> it's his word, okay? Specifically the Gospels, okay? We'll, we'll get to this. Um, I, I don't mean to say that they're inspired and others aren't, but I mean, I mean, when we read the Gospels, we read God in the flesh, how he interacts, how he prioritizes, how he values, and, and, and that, is, that is huge, okay? So if you want to hear the Spirit's voice, soak your mind with the words he inspired. It's going to be difficult to 
walk in the Spirit if we don't know His voice or what He looks like. All right, so where are you walking? Where are your little steps leading you? Who are you yielding to? Those are profound questions that should take you months to unpack. So I'll see you like in January. We can talk about that, all right? Anyway, it's not a simple one and done kind of thing. Um, and I've showed you this, this thing before here, you know, spiritual growth. It, this right here, this is the Pharisees. They're like, you go forward, you never go back. There's no fault or there's no failure because there is, you did it wrong. If you're suffering or something bad happens, it's because God is punishing you because you did it wrong. Everything is up and there's, there's no, so there are like three steps forward, no steps back. Now, some other people are like, well, the Christian life, there's three steps forward and three steps back forever. And I'm like, I'm not a genius, but you're not getting anywhere, okay? And then I think this one, right, well, there's three steps forward and then, you know, three steps backwards. And then eventually there's forward and only two steps backward. And then three steps forward and one step backward. And then three steps forward and three more steps forward and one step backward. And so anyway, you get the, you can tell I'm kind of a visual guy. I need pictures. Um, like, oh, I get it. Okay. So um, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and, and it goes on in this big list. Now, most of the time when, you know, sermons get to this point, they just start geeking out on all these sins. I'm just going to kind of blast over them because, like, I, I think we get it. Yeah, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, those are sexual sins, okay? Good, moving on. Um, why does he start with sexual sins? Probably because that's where that culture is. They had actually embodied these sexual sins in their pagan worship practices. The Roman guild system, I've talked about this in the Gospel of Mark, the guild system embedded sexual perversion in the worship and the workplace connection. It was just, it was a very difficult culture, so he starts with those. Uh, verse 20, idolatry and sorcery, the religious sins, looking for control. And enmity, strife, and jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry. I love how detailed he goes. It's, it's just like dissensions, divisions, envy, and drunkenness, orgies, and, th and then things like these. In case you think, well, he didn't name the one I got. Well, and things like these. So it kind of covers everything. So selfishness and chaos of, of just self-satisfaction, um, indulging in things and things like these. So self-centeredness is the deal with all these. And he says, I warned you, as I warned you before, probably on his first missionary journey, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some people read this and they're like, oh, no, I did one of those things one time in 1912 or whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? 1992, whatever. And, and they're like, well, I, I'm not going to heaven because the Bible says I got a verse. Well, let's read the verse in context, okay? We got the Judaizers. We got Grace. We got Paul. And, and he is bringing this to the front here. Um, he, he's... Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This, this, this word, the, the word has the idea of being characterized by ongoing, perpetually. If you're 24-7, 365, defined by this list of evil and sin, Paul is saying not that you did that, so therefore you're not saved. He's simply saying you are giving evidence that you're not saved. You're just buried. It's your, it's your testimony of, what, of your rearview mirror. doesn't include Jesus back there, and so this is the kind of life that you're living. So your lives are characterized, habitual practice of these things, not that you did them once or twice or whatever or even a hundred times. That's, that's not the point of the passage. Um, he's saying that you're not Abraham's offspring, and that's exactly what Jesus said back in John 8. He's talking to the Pharisees, and, and he said to them, you know, you, you are of your father the devil because you're not having faith. 
you know, he told them the truth, and, and then he, and he says, you're trying to kill me, and Abraham didn't do that. So anyway, so that's the, that's the context thing that we want to do that. So back up here, and could it be that Paul, as he's trying to free the Galatians from the Judaizers, this list of, of sins matches the Judaizers. Could he not be saying, guys, look, be careful who you listen to. Because this list of vices and sin, it leads to death, and it comes from the law, and it looks kind of like the Judaizers that are telling you to obey the law, when in fact, on the outside, oh, they're all buttoned up and nice, but on the inside, they're just full of poison and division and strife and jealousy, and they would know that. So I'm wondering if that's, uh, in the context, helps us understand what he's talking about, okay? Um, So... It's sad. It's a, it's a sad irony here because they're so, the Judaizers are so concerned to secure their own spiritual place that by propagating their method, they're barring other people from finding any spiritual place because of their blindness. That's why Jesus calls them. He says, when you make a convert, you, you Pharisees, you, you're, you make him as twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. I'm like, well, that's strong language, Jesus. Have you not read how to win friends and influence people? Because that's not nice. Okay, so anyway, sometimes Jesus takes the gloves off and it's just wham. You're like, okay, that's one of the times. All right, so the law doesn't justify, it condemns. The law doesn't sanctify, it condemns. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and here we go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there is no law. Since you guys are all wrapped up in the law, there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So fruit of the Spirit is different than gifts of the Spirit, okay? So you you have a gift of the Spirit that's different than mine, right? Um, And that's okay. We're all different. But fruit, singular, it's not fruits of the Spirit, There's one fruit. Fruit is, and it's all these things. So you, all of us, individually, as we grow toward spiritual maturity, we should find an increasing fruit of the Spirit in our lives. All right? So, um, and and, and all of it. We we are to experience all it, love, joy, peace. It's like one person doesn't have gentleness, and it's like, oh, well, he's got gentleness, so I don't have to be gentle. That's not how it works. All right? All right. So, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Past tense, have. Who does the crucifying? Does God? Those have crucified. You crucified the desires of your flesh when you believed in Christ. You became spiritually alive, and the bondage of sin in your life was over. It's cut. You no longer are a slave to sin. You have freedom in Christ. Now, there's ongoing submission to the Spirit, right? Obviously, but that's what he's talking about. We are now able to conquer sin and temptation through the power of the Spirit. All right. It's difficult, though, all right? Um, Check this quote out from Martin Luther, like the 1500 theologian guy. We look at people like that and go like, well, he's just, you know, brilliant, and he did the Reformation. That's pretty good on your resume, so obviously he's got it figured out. Listen to this. Talking about walking in the Spirit and how hard it is, Martin Luther Anyone who would know this art, living by the Spirit, would deserve to be called a theologian. The fanatics of our day, who are always boasting about the Spirit as well as their disciples, they seem to know it superbly. 
But I and others like me hardly know the basic elements of this art, and yet we're studious pupils in the school where it's being taught. In other words, I look at it all day and I can't figure it out. It is indeed being taught, but so long as the flesh and sin remain, it cannot be learned thoroughly. I kind of find encouragement in that because it's like, okay. I mean, if Martin Luther is like, huh? I'm like, I feel like, okay, I'm not alone. It's mystical, it's hard, it's difficult, and, and this fleshly world kind of blinds us to the reality of the Spirit sometimes, but it is possible, all right? Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, all right? The Holy Spirit is God's provision for our victory, living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, keeping in step by the Spirit, and he says, don't be proudful, conceited, provoking another, one another to envy all right, um, keep watching yourselves, restore someone. Yeah, let's go to chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so this transgression, this is not a lifestyle thing. This is like an inner, uh, um, unintentional sin. It's just it happened, okay? So he says, don't avoid the people that fall into transgressions as you're seeking to avoid transgressions, okay? So we're supposed to restore. That word has the connotation of mending nets or fixing broken bones. You're, you're healing and bringing wholeness to them. Um, and then verse 2, this is great. Look at this too. This is a backpacking verse. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That is that the word there means excessive burdens, over the top, financial, emotional, relational, whatever going on that's just breaking your back. We are to bear each other's burdens. Okay. Um, but here's the deal: what kind of people are able to bear one another's extra over the top burdens? Strong people, right? People who have either been there, done that or people who have reserves, emotional reserves, financial reserves, or physical reserves. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come over and do that for you. I'll help you out. I know how to do it. I can do it, and I have the reserves, sometimes out of sacrifice, okay? And so the same thing is true on backpacking trips, right? So, uh, we, you know, like I said, we just, I don't know how many trips we took. Um, lots of trips, lots of kids. But um, I always started the trip... And I warned them, because some of them had never been backpacking. And, and I, I don't know, on this particular trip, I don't think my kids, I started taking my boys when they're like eight years old. And some of these college kids are freaking out, like, oh, I can't do this. And I think once or twice I might have said, I shouldn't have, but I'm like, well, if my eight-year-old can do it, I'm sure you can swing it. That's not terribly encouraging when the college student is melting down. But I'm like, anyway, so I, and, but, but the point is, if you do something a lot, you get comfortable doing it, and you learn about it, and you learn if it, if it rains and I get wet, I don't die. I eventually dry off, and it's okay. Anyway, so um, strong people are able to help other people, and so I know on these trips there's always somebody that is just going to melt down, and that's okay. And so I, I told them four magic words. On this trip. You want to know the four magic words? If every one of you at some point on this trip sincerely say to somebody else on this trip, How can I help? It will radically transform 
this entire trip for everybody. And it was so much fun to see that because you got somebody going on and then, and then you get blisters and blisters. And I got so many pictures of Donna taking care of blisters. I mean, she is the, she's like an like a MD blister person, right? She knows blisters. Anyway, and so, um, but, but people would be like, hey, you know, I see you're struggling. Can I help? And so they'd get in their pack. I'll take the sleeping bag. I'll take this or whatever. And it was just helpful to help. All right. A lot of stories there. I just better move on. Um, so, yes, how can I help? That is gold. So instead of following the desires of the flesh that lead to death and condemnation, we walk with the Spirit who gives us life, and we experience His power, and then I'm able to help you out of strength. There are some seasons where I'm weak, and I'm crashing and burning, and I'm like, man, can, can you help me? I'm uh, just having a down day, a down week, whatever it is, and that is how the body of Christ works. It's okay, all right? Helping other people. Um, so let's go on here to some practical stuff. Walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's guidance is consistent with Scripture. Like I already said, if you want to hear His voice, read His Word. Again, I'm starting to read through the Gospel of John. I'm just going to try to look at Jesus and how He how he talks and thinks and his priorities. I just kind of want a fresh look at that. So pick a gospel, read through it, and get your head around um, who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh. John 14 says, uh, Jesus said, I will go and send you another helper. And remember in Greek, there's two different words for another. There's another of the same kind and another of a different kind. And this is another of the same kind. Jesus, I'll give you another of the same, just like me, except he's not limited to a body. He can be with all the believers all over the world all the time. All right. So that. Two, the Spirit's counsel is contrary to your flesh. Walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. All right? So does, do, do 10 of the 12 voices in your head urge you to scream and yell? Problems, right? Multiple fronts. What do you think about? Are we thinking about things of the spirit or are we thinking about things of the flesh? What do we feed our mind? We want to pay attention to that. We want to own that, okay? Three, the spirit builds and preserves community. Uh, here's a quote. So if you're walking in the spirit of God, he will lead you to get involved at a local church where you're, you can use the gifts he gave you for the common good. Now, maybe that's not this church that fine. I'm not going to get all weird and like, you have to come to church, but metaphorical, uh, theoretical conversation. Say I'm mountain biking with a buddy, and we stop, we have this great vista overlook, and he's like, oh, man, this is where I worship God. I just, I don't really like church, the hypocrites and, 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 and weird people. I, I like to be out here alone and worship God. I'm like, I like good views, and I love mountain biking, but if you're trying to tell me you dislike God's people, that's not the spirit of God. The Spirit of God loves his church. Now, this is difficult because you and I have all, we have, we have, we've had church hurt. And there's no hurt like church hurt. And it is so easy to end up like this guy out in the woods by yourself. I forget the people. I just want God and a view and a good downhill. Okay, anyway. Um, but that's, that's not the Spirit of God. We really got to pay attention to that. And, and, um, and sometimes we need counseling and, and healing and some really close good friends to help us re-engage in a safe way, a group of safe, healthy people. So, heads up on that. Complicated. Number four, Christ 
The Spirit exalts Christ first and foremost. Okay, so if a spiritual movement moves you at all away from the Scriptures and from a focus of the person of Jesus, it's the wrong spirit. That sounds kind of strong, but check this out. Look at this verse. Number four, Jesus said, The Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So it isn't interesting that the Spirit is kind of the shy one. The Spirit is always kind of like just pointing to Jesus. He exalts Jesus. And so when we start to exalt the Spirit, but we don't exalt Jesus, there's something sideways, okay? All right. How do we access the Spirit in our lives? Three things. We need fuel. And this is great because, because you might be thinking, man, I've tried this before. Like to get serious about spiritual growth, I've tried it before. I open the Bible, I get nothing. Open the Bible, maybe not to Chronicles, and just say, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. And just like, Lord, where I'm at with my family, my, my career, my, my whatever obligations I have, who are you for me today? What do you have for me today? Open my eyes from your word. All right, number two. A heart of affection. And it's okay if your heart, uh, I shouldn't say it that way. I was going to say it's okay if your heart is cold to God. But, but, but sometimes our heart is cold. And we're like, I, I just really don't want to be here reading this. He knows that. And so we pray, incline my heart to your testimonies. Like, Lord, warm my heart up to you. Because I could be 14 other places having a lot more fun. And he knows that. So again, open my eyes that I might see you for me today in my context and, and incline my heart, warm my heart up to you. And that doesn't mean in 30 seconds you're going to be like crying and praising, singing. Okay, just, just it takes time. Anyway, number three. And then we need wind, the wind of the Spirit blowing through your life. And that's the one Martin Luther's like, I don't sure, I'm not sure I get that. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from, where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the Spirit is the power. The Spirit is the power. Now, in the, in the, in the Scriptures, Spirit, both in Old Testament Hebrew and New Testament Greek, Spirit simply means wind, breath, or spirit. In the context, you have to figure that. In Hebrew, there's no actual word for demon. It's just spirit. So whatever spirit you got in the Old Testament, you have to, is it a good spirit or a bad spirit? But why they do this, because back in the olden days, when someone died, they, they didn't take their pulse. They would, they would stick their face by their face and be really quiet. And they were like, oh, no breath. That means he's got no more spirit. He's dead. So spirit and life and spirit and breath all wrapped up in one, okay? So... That reminds me of a pretty good story here. Um, there's this new thing on Disney uh, National Geographic called The Edge of the Unknown. So we like to watch the adventure outdoors, kayaking, mountain climbing, and, and usually something goes bad, which makes it interesting um, because it's not us. But anyway, um, so this particular story, um, this, uh, this sister, this girl and a guy, their brother's sister, and they want to do this whole Northwest Passage from way up here where the road ends um, all the way up here, and it's 2,000 miles. They want to, uh, and the first one to do this was a guy named Munson from uh, Nor Norway. He did it um, in a boat. Uh, they want to do it in the wintertime with, with no boats, no gas-powered vehicles. They just want to go, walk, okay? Except they don't walk, they sail. They, they take, uh, they have a big wind sail. See these big wind sails? They have, a, they have a sled or two sleds, 
and they just, they just put on their skis and get the wind and just go. And I'm like, that looks fun, right? So that's what they do. You know, she, it's really cold. Except out in the middle of nowhere, they just, they knew this, but the, the polar bears, you are food to the polar bears. One actually attacked them, ripped their tent. The guy, she shot a shotgun, and the guy was by the tent and screaming, and the polar bear charges him. He takes the shovel, and he says he whacked it right in the snout as hard as he could. <laughs> didn't even phase him. The bear just went right through the tent, and um, he's lucky he didn't get, like, disemboweled anyway. So they're, they're kind of freaking out about the polar bears not sleeping well and, and all that. But they keep going, and then they get to this section where it's all rough, and they're supposed to pull their sleds over this, and, and they, they're not making the kind of time they thought they'd make. So now the season, because they're going to do it, they have to do it in winter when everything's frozen. Well, it starts to thaw. Well, you can't, you can't cross that with, like, skis, right? Um, and so what they have to do is they have to take a 500-kilometer detour. They want to go this way, but they have to go all this way out of the way, and they only have so much food, and there's no food out there, okay? And so they, they walk, and they walk, because they can't sail anywhere. There's no wind. And for days and days and weeks, there's no wind, and they're doing the math like, we are going to freeze to death because we cannot make it to the end at that pace by walking. Their literal lives depend on wind. And so they're walking and pulling instead of flying and sailing. And they just keep walking and keep walking as long as they can. And then there's this forecast. Oh, no, they're still walking. No wind. They're thinking they're going to die. Okay, we get the point. There we go. Then they have a forecast. 24 hours of wind gave them. They stayed up. 24 hours. They ski sailed for 24 hours straight, covered hundreds of miles, and they actually finished not dead. And that's, that's the ending right there. They're saved. They're saved by wind. And I looked at that, and I just thought, you know, the power of the Spirit, wind, I mean, it, our lives without the power of the Spirit, we're just walking. We're pulling heavy loads, right? And it's just so laborious, like, oh, I'm so tired of this. And it's like, man, if you could just get the Spirit of God in the sails of your life, it still work. You still got to figure it out. But He is the one that does the stuff. He's, he's the power there. So I really encourage you to, to think about that and those images in your life. Can you produce the fruit of the Spirit? No, you can't. It's His fruit. He's the one that produces it. If you want peace, patience, love, joy, you can't like, get a WWJD bracelet and start going and winging it. You need to walk with Christ. You need to walk in the Spirit. It's His fruit. He's the one that gives you that fruit. I've shown this before. I love this. Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and it gives us wings. So again, God always gives us whatever we need to obey whatever he has commanded. Okay? So this, this quote, again, if you want to hear the Spirit's voice, soak your mind in the words that he inspired. Open my eyes, incline my heart, wait for his voice, and be willing to be led by his Spirit. So, the four magic words are, how can I help? Because a, spirit, a person who has the Spirit of God in the sails of his life, he is cruising and moving and has power, and he's like, hey, I'll, I'll help you. I'll help you with this. I'll help you with that. Okay? So, that's where we're going. A lot of dependence on the Spirit of God. 
So we're going to wrap up. If you're a first time here, we usually like to have a couple questions to so just a few minutes of silence as we think and try to listen to God because life moves pretty fast. If you don't slow down, you could miss it. Um, are there areas in your life in which you see the fruit of the Spirit? Are there areas you need to see His fruit? What's preventing you from being willingly led by the Spirit? Are there any areas of your life that like you're like, off limits to God, not inviting Him here? Newsflash, Skippy, He's already there. He knows what's going on, okay? To whom can you utter the four magic words this week and lighten their load? Can I help? Amazing words, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. We are not alone. We have you inside us, guiding us. We would just slow down and listen. And I miss your voice so many times, and, and I'm not going to go down the, the I'm a loser, shameful route. We all are tempted to do that. We just want to pick up with you afresh, open our eyes to your word, incline our hearts to be warm towards you, to see your spirit in our lives, and may you be the power that blows us in the sails of our lives so that we could bear one another's burdens. Amen.